if we're not raised seeing normal uh, maternal behavior in our species, we really have a hard time figuring that out in isolation. We need to see others. We, if we can't have it visually, then we just need to read about it. We need the pictures. We need the explanations. Welcome to the Femtech Health Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry Diviaz. Today, we're joined by my friend, Alicia Burgett, who's a lactation consultant. We're going to dive into all things breastfeeding, motherhood, and the importance of education and support during this special time. Alicia shares her journey into lactation work and why she is so passionate about helping moms and babies. We discuss the significance of the 40-day postpartum period, the power of visual input, and the incredible bond between baby and mother. All right, let's get started with today's show. Hi, I'm here today with Alicia Burgett. Alicia is a lactation consultant and also a good friend of mine. And I'm glad to have you here today. We're just going to talk all things um, breastfeeding, um, moms and babies, and I'm super excited. Uh, Alicia, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got interested uh, in lactation work, breastfeeding um, work, etc. Okay, well, thanks, Sherry. And I am tickled that we're able to do this. Anytime we can, right? <laughs> In any way we That's can. That's exactly right. So, um, I know, right? We, it would be much more fun over a glass of wine in a, our favorite place, but ne never mind. Um, so, yeah, I've been in lactation. I know. <laughs> okay, so I've been in lactation, this field, since, uh, yeah, the early 90s. So, it's been about 30 plus years now. Um, my baby, my firstborn is turning 35 this month. And uh, he's wow. the reason he's, I mean, bless his heart, he survived, but uh, it was a rough <laughs> go for both of us in the beginning. And uh, it just rocked my world and his too, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I just chose to uh, get more training to combat the bad advice that I had received from my medical caregivers. And they do mm -hmm. the best they can, but they had no training in this particular, you know, area mm -hmm. of, right. uh, yeah, of uh, postnatal health. So it was a rough road. And so I come from a place of experience, uh, the bad and the good. My second born um, did everything completely differently. Uh, by the time he came along, I'd seen hundreds and hundreds of babies. Uh, <laughs> and my training was thorough. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I, I set for the boards for the IBCLC. Whatever that means to anybody, it just means that we work really hard to know everything we can and keep up on the research right. and mm -hmm. just know all the things. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I spent the better part of my career, um, you know, with that behind my name. And I've backed mm -hmm. off a little bit in the last decade to take care of family health uh, issue. And then uh, about the time, the a little bit before the formula uh, shortage happened a few years back, a couple of years back, I had this pull. I knew I needed to continue what I had started uh, in mm -hmm. order to feel, fulfill what I think is my reason for being here. That sounds pretty lofty, but it's <laughs> it's humbling at the same time. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And <laughs> Alicia, just, I... I... To, yeah. I, you know, when you say that pull, I definitely recognize that in you when I met you and I could just tell like it's your passion and your heart. And I, as you and I share these stories together today, you know, one of them really, you know, comes right out how one of our, you know, prenatal moms said, hey, I'm just going to wing it. And I was like, <laughs> I wish you would wing it with Alicia is what I said. <laughs> and uh, she I went do to that see too. I can be casual. <laughs> And I, she said, okay, I'm going to take her class. And I said, oh, thank goodness. And literally she kind of did a compressed class with you. And when she came back in, uh, she was absolutely ecstatic. She said, I don't even know why I thought I could just do breastfeeding without having the education and understanding of it. So tell us a little bit about how you educate moms and why you do it, et cetera. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she was adorable too. I love that. That was a fun <laughs> time. Um, it's fun. It's good to have fun with learning these things that are so deep. I mean, I, I don't, I don't take any of it lightly. I just, I like to present lightly in order mm -hmm. to facilitate learning. I, I, I understand that much. Um, right. And so you have to have fun and you have to make jokes. I mean, some of this is, right. some of what we know 
uh, and the culture that we live in and the history that we understand and how far removed we are from what is normal is laughable. So I do tend to make a lot of jokes at our own expense, yeah. at our culture's expense, <laughs> not any one individual. Um, and I feel like I advocate for the moms as I needed advocating for me back 30 some year, you know, 35 years ago. However, right. I really strongly feel that our culture needs advocates for our babies. And so my, my, my pull in this phase of my life is to mm -hmm. really be the advocate for our babies. Uh, they have mm -hmm. no rights. And mm -hmm. I feel really strongly about that, that they, they need to be understood. They need to have their rights. Uh, and moms who are educated and are allowed to be normal, allowed to follow mm -hmm. and trust their instincts, can facilitate just that. And everybody wins that way. The whole culture wins that way when moms are allowed to uh, behave normally with their newborn babies and to bond according to nature. Um, I do come from a place of what we understand from history. Uh, um, I have a lot of clinical research in, under my belt, but I do tend to uh, teach from a place of how it was back in the day when there was no electricity. <laughs> I mean, we're talking ancient times. So yeah, it's... I'm not sure if I'm answering your question the way you want, but I come from a place of let's understand what is normal, what is biologically normal, what what is normal for us as females with the hormones raging as they should in the early days and weeks uh, to right. facilitate the bonding uh, for survival of the species. And I do always mm -hmm. harken back, it's all about the hormones and it's all about survival of the species. And, and so, so but uh, we just tend to muck it up. Right. And education is a key component. And learning before you have baby, I think, is really an important piece, an important step of all this. So tell us about this whole idea of the 40 yeah. days and this bonding uh, that goes on. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so I yes, you're right. Education still is necessary. And the problem is, is that we as humans we uh, we have our instincts, we have our hormones, we have our basic instincts. However, if we are not raised in a culture, like in the tribal days, back in the old days, uh, um, if we're not raised seeing normal uh, maternal behavior in our species, okay. we really have a hard time figuring that out in isolation. We need to see others. We need to have the <laughs> If we can't have it visually, then we just need to read about it. We need the pictures. We need the explanations. And and after so all the really... years of doing this, we really haven't gotten further along. Yet. So you feel um, like the visual input is a huge part. Tell us why you think that is. Well, we have <laughs> gone through it. Um, there's tons of research out there that show that we are monkey see, monkey do. And again, yeah, I'm making maybe. fun and no, no offense to the monkeys. Yeah. But um, actually, it yeah. is kind of interesting because the, the zoos throughout since I've been around, I believe in the 80s, was the first uh, story that I had ever heard of where a gorilla was raised in isolation in the Cleveland Zoo. And uh, so this gorilla, as she reached maturity, they mated her. Okay, so they they want to continue, of course, the the the, uh, the species because they were endangered at this particular time in this particular gorilla. Anyhow, so she had her baby in isolation, and didn't know what to do with it. Literally, did not know how to mother her own baby that she had had no experience, mm -hmm. no visual, nothing. So that baby, it did not make it. And so the next mm -hmm. time they did this, I, I always think of the backstories of these things, but they did right. it again. So she was expecting her second baby, but somebody in the zoo had a really great idea of having, uh, in her third trimester, they had uh, moms volunteer from the local Leche League. And so uh -huh. they would sit in chairs or on the bench in front of the um, uh, enclosure uh -huh. of the gorilla uh, and they would have their little babies of all sizes and ages, and they would just nurse them and talk to each uh. other and just nursing and just ignoring the gorilla, just doing their thing. And they found it interesting, and I love this, is that the closer that the gorilla came to her due date, the, the closer she came towards the moms and got closer uh. watching them. She wasn't interested in the beginning of the whole thing, but as time went by, she became uh, just enraptured watching them all the time and watching every move they were making. It was really a cool oh, wow. um, experiment, if you will. <laughs> I know, right? right? Somebody had a good idea. And uh, right. so anyhow, when that baby came along, record is, records show that that baby was nursed effectively, held closely as mammals need to hold for care. 
carry mammals. That's what we are. Mm -hmm. And gorillas and apes, we have to carry them. So she knew. She knew by watching how to take care of her own. And they thrived. And I thought that was that was compelling. That changed a lot of my opinions when I was younger. And they've since seen this in other zoos around the country, as far as I know, since then. That was in the mid-80s, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when we have support groups, and we have a a really nice one that's going on in our local area in Coeur d'Alene every week, we just facilitate mm-hmm. uh, the ability for moms to get together, um, mm-hmm. uh, watch and observe and learn from and uh, just talk and feel mm-hmm. and cry. I was mm-hmm. I try to always have a box of Kleenex because um, it's inevitable <laughs> that somebody's going to have the emotions as we need to to get right. them out while they're holding their baby, because not all of us have a great birth experience. Quite oh, a few sure. don't. So they need to, we rely on each other. Women need women at this point in our lives, Mm -hmm. huge, more than ever before. um, 100%. To get us through the ups and downs and yeah, yeah, the the doubts, the insecurities, the cultural, you know, uh, confusing messages that we get. You know, nurse them a lot, but don't nurse them too much. You know, don't nurse them to sleep, but yeah, it's okay to nurse them to sleep. It's like, it's too much. Right, right. And we kind of forget about our own natural innate tendencies. So tell us a little bit about this 40 day business that uh, you and I have talked about before and why there's a really special time frame that happens in the 40 days. So we've talked education, we talked this whole visual input and having support from other people. So so let's talk about this 40 days after having baby. Yeah, well, it's an it's ancient. We have not come up with this idea on our own. In fact, we've forgotten how important this is in our modern culture. I never heard of this mm-hmm. until I was, you know, way old. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, think about it back in the ancient times uh, when we were living in huts and hovels and tents or teepees or whatever, um, caves, whatever. A woman has a baby. She is never at her most vulnerable state as giving mm-hmm. birth and being born. Those are our most vulnerable states in any society, in any culture. And so I think that they must have figured it out. I wish I knew how, but the women would, um, of the tribe, let's say, we'll call it a tribe. The women of the tribe just know to uh, kind of seclude this fragile mom and her fragile newborn. And they take care of this woman. And they understood that it takes let's say six weeks is close to 40 days. So we're kind of getting there, but we're not there completely. But they need, we know as women, we need that many, that many days to be completely healed. Uh, the mm-hmm. hormones are tending to settle down a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, baby has been established at the breast and is thriving and mom is regulating and things are flowing. Things are doing the, what they should. Uh, and she's no longer bleeding. So she can rejoin society around 40-ish days, right? Um, right. And not be compromised. And, and, and she'll have the confidence, the strength, uh, and the know-how from the women who have surrounded her and cared for her fed her and clothed her and helped to wash the baby and helped her and kept everything out uh, of her range that did not need to be there that was not supportive uh, and or comforted comforting so yeah they they had it figured out we need to bring that back we really do we have too much isolation in our modern day and we all know I don't have to say it you know but isolation is killing people it's it's not healthy it is at best, it causes anxiety in mom, babies since babies know, mm-hmm. you know, they just know. And I, mm-hmm. I just feel bad. I went through it. I don't ever want to see others go through mm-hmm. what I went through 35 years ago. It was a, a year of depression for me because mm-hmm. of all the things that went wrong and all the questions, yeah. no answers, too much confusion, way mm-hmm. too much isolation. We didn't have family mm-hmm. in town. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just, I mm-hmm. my goal in life is to help as many as I can not to suffer that, right? And it's right. not typical of so many women who are brought into the, their yeah specialties. So I, did right. I ramble on or did I make any sense? No, that no, that's thing? perfect. So, <laughs> you know, we we kind of are just talking here, you know, education, that visual input. That's why prenatal uh, yeah. breastfeeding uh, classes are so important. And then, you know, kind of talking through yeah. this time frame after, you know, baby's born and how special of a time frame it is. And let's just think about too. share with me. And I love this story that you always tell me about how 
this baby was sort of nested between a mom's uh, breast? And then how did this baby find its way to actually nurse? <laughs> yes, the it's breast It's one of my ball. favorite stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and again, I didn't make this up. I didn't discover anything. I just, all I'm good at, I'm, I'm a consultant. All I can do is tell stories and say, yeah, I, I think this might help. You know, but there's so much, it's a great so much story. Cool evidence out there. I know, right? I love it. Well, when we I first do. discovered it, I was well into my career before we even realized this is a thing. Yeah. I mean, I was yeah. really, really well into my career, like 20 years later almost. And it was like, oh, my gosh, we've been doing it wrong. So we're only as good as our best research. Let's keep that in mind, please. None of us mean right. harm, but we are only right. as good as our best research. And you understand that, right? Being who you are, right? Um, right. I love. So anyhow, the breast crawl. So, yeah, it's it's Mother Nature's way of again survival of the species so imagine that you're birthing your baby your uh you know caveman days or whatever and you're in the woods all by yourself and because you've had to run away for whatever reason and you birth this baby and you and you just pass out and the baby's on your belly and you just you just pass out and so the baby is born with these survival reflexes these very cool innate reflexes um, to get where they need to be for survival. And so the the cool thing is we know about the stepping reflex, right? Many moms right. are taught in childbirth education different reflexes. Okay, the stepping reflex right. has its purpose. And so if the belly is plopped on our on our belly or our torso below the breast line, their feet can start pushing upon the soft tissue of the belly um, and, and that propels them upwards towards the breast, right? If their hands right. are helping them along, the amniotic fluid that is still on them actually is a very familiar smell and our areola, the the dark, okay, I came with a prop. Um, the the oh, dark area behind the nipple is, right. <laughs> I know we all have these little things. Um, I love it. I'm the, I mean the tool, not the things, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyhow, the areola, which is behind the nipple, actually secretes um, not only anti- uh, bacterial uh, lubrication almost, very, very minute amounts, but it also secretes, it almost smells like amniotic fluid a bit. So the baby recognizes the scent, mm -hmm. the smell. So they are equipped to, their sniffer is doing good, they're, they're tactile, the hands are helping them to, to propel up towards where the breast line is. Uh, and then the visual, we, we somehow know that they can only see, you know, this far or whatever. And so uh, when the baby lands at the breast, there's only what, so much space between our average breast and the face, right? It's all tied mm -hmm. together to, to, to more facilitate the bonding as well as the baby's ability to seek nurture, nurturing and comfort and protection. So they are, when, when they are on our torso and their head ends up between the breasts, uh, just watch. The mom's arms should just support the baby and let the baby, who is belly to belly, at this point the baby's belly is on yours, the baby's head is, you know, right here. And... They start seeking. They start seeking that which they innately know they need. And and by the way, this is conveniently like a bullseye, right? <laughs> so, is. and a lot of women will notice that the areola darkens throughout their pregnancy. So that helps right. that bullseye effect. That's Mother Nature again. It's all symbiotic. Mm -hmm. There's no accident mm -hmm. in any of this. And so, mm -hmm. again, without much of any much help at all from the mama, baby can actually feel the tissue on their cheek. And then they kind of respond to that and they start moving in that area. And then as soon as they get closer to the nipple, they can actually lift their head. People don't give newborns enough credit for having enough strength in their neck to support lifting their head long enough to just angle over and just kind of like latch down onto the, onto the breast. They can do this on their own. And our job mm -hmm. is to support them with our arms because our body is supporting their baby and our arms are simply nestling around them so that if, as they're bobbing and weaving around looking for the source of, of food and comfort, um, they're not falling off of our torso. They're not likely to. And again, when the baby mm -hmm. is belly to belly with us, we are grounding them. We are their environment mm -hmm. as a newborn this is the environment, this is the habitat that they come out expecting. And again, I'm not making this stuff up. Somehow we know these things. 
Mm-hmm. And so far, we right. have not been proven wrong um, all mm-hmm. around the world throughout history. But when a baby's belly mm-hmm. is a meeting mama's belly, gravity is on their side. Gravity is not pulling them away. So when moms mm-hmm. have been taught to sit up straight and nurse mm-hmm. in the in the lap and bring the baby up to the breast and all the things we used to teach, the baby's mm-hmm. uh, feeling the gravitational pull uh, in their mm-hmm. own innate sense. They feel that 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 threat of gravitation. So our arms and pillows, pillows were the biggest thing when I first started. It's ridiculous. They're great for arm support, but not so much the baby. But in the early days, when the baby is totally, you know, on our torso and we're more laid back, we don't have to be flat on our back. That doesn't work for everybody. But if we're just reclined, so I ask I ask my clients to just a little bit of reclining, maybe like... um. I, I often liken it to the TV watching position, <laughs> kick back that lounge chair. And uh, and so you're more reclined than sitting up or laying flat. Okay. And then the baby can feel the security and the comfort of your arms around them while they are grounded on your, on your torso. And another thing moms don't mm-hmm. no, normally know is that the contact like that allows you to regulate the baby's uh, respiratory system, their blood pressure, um, um, just body temp, all the things, all the things. It is the coolest discoveries that we have made in the last, you know, couple of decades. Um, how natural and easy it should be, but we've tended to make it overcomplicated since I became a mom. Truly. So our so yeah. the whole idea that the baby has the whole sense of the mother. Tell us about you know how mm-hmm. does the baby regulate physiologically with the mom like that? Well. The body, the baby, our babies don't regulate themselves. They're not, we are a carry mammal for a reason. And I know that's a weird term for a lot of people, but again, you know, like, like watch in nature, uh, the mammals, the, the apes and the, the monkeys and the chimps, even the koalas. <laughs> um, I mean, right. we're, we have to carry our babies to protect them and to feed them. And they are not born regulating their own body systems um, their need for being in our arms all the time is for us, our body, to regulate. This is why it kills me when I hear things about don't hold your baby too much. Don't hold your newborn too much. You'll spoil them. That could not be further from the truth. What we are doing is it's not just about bonding and all the woohoo stuff, which I'm all for that, too. But it's also right. physiological. By holding our babies, we are regulating their body systems. All of it. Mm-hmm. And so because they can't do it on their own, they're not meant mm-hmm. to. It takes years mm-hmm. for them to have any amount of mm-hmm. logic in their system mm-hmm. at all. They cannot be mm-hmm. talked to and made to understand that I'm tired. You need to be put down now so I can go right. to the bathroom or I can go and take a nap or whatever. They're like, no, no, I need to be near you, mama, because you are everything. <laughs> you are my world. You regulate everything mm-hmm. about me and I will die without you. I mean, I figure that's what's going on in their heads. So like, don't walk away. Yeah, I might die. Some, again, caveman days, <laughs> some, some wolf looking for food might take me mm-hmm. away. If I'm not in your arms, I am insecure. I have no idea what's mm-hmm. out there in the great world, but mm-hmm. if I'm in mama's arms, I know I am safe. And that's right. that's how I feel. Yeah, I guess that's me advocating for the baby. But we know this to be true. Mm-hmm. I'm not making it up. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Exactly. So their sense of smell, their sense of contact in the physical realm, it means so much to them, right? And so that's why they are always desiring to be that close and that connected. And 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 breastfeeding su- uh, gives them that support, right? Gives them that time with us and helps us all to slow down a little bit, right? To do it. Oh. Perfect. Exactly. So it's not a desire. It's a need. Yes. And yes, we are set up in such a way by nature and God, whatever you want to call it, I'm good with all of it. uh, And that it is a survival thing. We have to be in arms to survive as humans. We cannot do this mm-hmm. on our own. This should not be up for debate in any circle. It really shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. The, the mm-hmm. We need the baby to need us so that we can uh, do what needs to be done in order to heal because many, many women throughout time, if they are not cared for, they can bleed to death because they mm-hmm. did not get the benefit of uh, good postpartum care, let's say. Um, and so mm-hmm. we as women know that that's con- that has and can happen if 
if we don't have the care that we need. And babies who are so frequently needing us for feeding uh, make it really hard for us to get up and do too much around the house. There's a reason right. for that. We need to heal. I say this so many times and in so many right. different ways. There's a reason right. for this postpartum period, whether it's 40 days, six weeks, right. whatever. It's meant right. for you to become, you to be able to come back to your full self again, uh, better than before with any luck, because <laughs> uh, right. these babies teach us a lot. And uh, mm -hmm. it's for the survival of the, the baby. So, Alicia, us. we work. We need we Absolutely. And I, I think this brings me to like, even after baby is born, you know, we work so much with our midwives and we were talking about a particular position um, that really helps um, these babies get set up a little bit better for maybe um, the whole process of breastfeeding. So will you tell us a little bit about that position and the great name it's called? <laughs> Are you talking about the the position, the, the laid back position, um, the guppy the position after? The, no, oh, just the guppy. Oh, yeah. oh okay. <laughs> just, hey, look, okay. First yeah, off, you, I you love the word. Just okay. so you know. <laughs> it's like why? I don't know. It's I know, right? Okay, let me get my baby. But I love it. I'm going to get my baby doll. <laughs> oh yes, please okay. do. So please I'm, do. Yeah, I'm grabbing my baby doll. Okay, here's my little teaching baby doll. She is very, very bald. Anyhow, and probably the size of a little preemie at this point. So, okay, so this has not, not as much to do with the actual breastfeeding because there is a way that babies naturally, when left on their own, they will want to tilt their head back a little. And when they're ready to lunge onto the breast for a good latch, they lead with their chin. And it's an right. asymmetrical mm -hmm. latch. I just have to throw that out there. I don't feel like I'm doing a good job if I don't throw that out there. Um, no, so thank you. <laughs> contact me for more info. Haha. But the guppy <laughs> yes. pose. Um, okay. <laughs> I love this. So when you think about it, you've been curled up in a ball in tight quarters for a long, long time. You, you know, we suggest we suspect that they've had no needs and no issues, but you're all scrunched up, you know, for so long of a period of time. And so think logically, if you when you are coming out, when you're finally born and you're plopped on mom's torso, can I offer the we also have mm, stories, uh, historical uh uh, tales of midwives since whenever, since time began, um, they knew to hold a baby in such a, a brand new one, a newborn in such a position that would allow them to just stretch, stretch out, like, like in, in, imagine yourself on an inversion table, you know, or an inver inversion chair where you can just hang and let everything just Gravity just brings it all into alignment, right? And so they somehow knew that babies would enjoy that well, as long as they're well supported. They're not dangling in space because no baby likes that. But they but they can benefit from being, um, you know, tipped upside down. So what we can do, and I can't show you everything because of the camera, but if you have your baby in your right. lap and you're, you're facing your baby, as I'm doing here, the baby's facing me and the baby is now in my lap. I've got full support of the baby and the baby's head is at the edge of my knees. And so as I am supporting the baby fully, there is no risk of anything, then let the baby's head, um, I'll try it with the, with the camera, let the baby, so my hand is where my knees would be, right? And so the baby's head can just gently relax, okay, right off the edge of your knees. If they don't like it, they'll let you know, and then you hold them back up again to your chest and calm them down. But most every new little baby really enjoys this gentle, gentle stretch, and so mm. you're supporting them again. Your your lap is, I don't know if you can see this, your lap is here, and these are your knees. And so mm -hmm. the baby's head will, you know, drop and, it, and let them go as far as they want to, as long as you're supporting them at the neck below the ears. And then you'll mm -hmm. find that their arms may stretch <laughs> and their fists aren't clenched anymore. Their hands are kind of open and relaxed. And that mm -hmm. is a really happy, content baby who's just unwinding. The word is releasing or unwinding. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. thing. Everybody should enjoy that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but our babies yeah, deserve 100%. it. And I find Absolutely. that this actually um, helps. Some babies are born with tension. And, and you, of course, in your PT, you know, you know everything mm -hmm. about tension. Um, mm -hmm. And so when we have tense uh, tissues anywhere from the head all the way down to the feet, it can be distracting when you're trying to learn how to feed. 
And so Absolutely. when we can resolve any discomfort anywhere in their neck, their 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 shoulders, even around the head, um, or the jaw, anywhere around mm-hmm. there, then it, if we can resolve that, then it should help <laughs> with a better an effective latch at the breast for mm-hmm. an easier feeding for everybody, um, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So this is just fun and it's easy and the babies love it. And when they do, you can tell because they're just like, ah, <laughs> and they're, like I said, their hands are relaxed. The relaxed hand in a newborn is a good sign that we're doing good, mm-hmm. right? A mm-hmm. clenched up fist means that they're not happy about something okay. or they're getting hungry or whatever. They're mm-hmm. not comfortable or whatever. Um, does that make sense? Is that what you yes, wanted and, me to and- Yes. And I think just having people understand how this elongation of the neck and the chin becomes very important. So tell us why you need this elongation to kind of latch and do the work. Well, because when a baby is getting ready to latch onto the breast, they know that they need to, they just know. I don't know how they know. They just know. They instinctively will, again, they're, as they're approaching, let me get the, (laughs) here we go. Okay. So hope you can see that. Okay. It's kind of funny. I know. But as they are kind of feeling around trying to figure out the breast, we'll imagine this is a newborn with, with very little, you know, uh, visual acuity, but they're feeling their way and they know that there's something there and they can smell it and their hands are there, but not in the way. Um, And that's a beautiful thing too. But anyhow, so when they come from below the nipple, their jaw needs to open wide. Okay. Mm -hmm. A really wide drop jaw to be able to come onto the fatty tissue behind the nipple all the way up and over the nipple and so they have more more of the tissue underneath the nipple is in their mouth because their jaw Mm -hmm. dropped a lot to accommodate and then Mm -hmm. they came up and over the nipple but there's more underneath in their mouth a little less above because that Mm -hmm. facilitates the nipple which is firm to be able Mm -hmm. to stimulate their um the the Um, back of the palate back there and that's their suck reflex so again Mm -hmm. nature has this all figured out the pieces Mm -hmm. are all you know uh, where they should be we just got to put everything together the baby leads the way it's a beautiful thing so so that's the jaw Mm -hmm. needs open wide the tongue drops forward to cover the bottom gum line um, Mm -hmm. and the tongue cups the the breast tissue underneath the the tongue is mm-hmm. is covering, or I'm sorry, cupping and holding, and then um, and then the baby just instantly or instinctively, whatever they just know to clamp down, and it's not mm-hmm. painful. It's a sensation mm-hmm. for one who's never done this before, but it's not mm-hmm. painful. And so mm-hmm. when they clamp down, and the nipple is way at the back of the baby's mouth, out of harm's way, uh, mm-hmm. and then they'll just um, start doing the suckling thing that baby mammals know how to do to get what they need. And- and so and talk about this yeah. fish lip idea too so people understand <laughs> like right. what those lips look yeah. like <laughs> okay so i'm gonna make a fool of myself in this whole thing so fish lips are <laughs> yeah, you know just the fish lips <laughs> Ooh, i did it too <laughs> so, yeah, right I know, right? So the the lips, a human mammal, <laughs> our lips are designed to be able to do just that, to to put you, you know, the little pucker. But with the yeah. wide open mouth, this is this is tissue. There she is. This is tissue that is soft. And so when the baby is latched onto the breast, the the fish lips keep a comfortable, cushy, airtight seal. And that airtight seal is is mechanically that's very very important um, because we're creating a vacuum. The baby is creating a vacuum in their mouth. So the, the tongue is moving back and forth and up and down and the baby's little lips are uh, creating a soft but airtight seal. And every time the tongue is moving up and down, we're doing the vacuum and, and um, good Lord, the swallow reflex. There's, there is a lot going on in these babies' mm-hmm. mouths. And it's mm-hmm. also it's a beautiful thing. And you can see when they're swallowing the milk late after when the milk is really flowing after a couple of days, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you'll see the ear going up and down, their jaw going up and down. Mm-hmm. You'll hear a little k in the back of the throat and, you know, they're mm-hmm. swallowing. And these are the things right. we teach. And so right. it's it's all mechanically brilliant. Um, it, there's so much more going on in the cranium and the eustachian tubes and everything. I won't get into all that. But yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot going on just 
just the mechanical <laughs> action of suckling and then the, mm -hmm. the tongue moving back and forth makes it comfortable for mom um, mm -hmm. and it's effective for the baby. It's just as simple as that. It really is, you know. So what, so what about some of my moms? You know, the first couple of weeks, they might have some stinging or some things to the breast tissue. Um, is that kind of normal? What do you yeah. tell your moms about that? Yeah, I say normal is a wide range of normal, first of all. Um, some women never feel the sensation. Let me get the breast model back up here. Okay, here we go. Some women never feel the stretching of the nipple to the back of the baby's mouth out of harm's way. Um, and that is truly a stretch. So this nipple here is a typical average, whatever. Everybody, everyone's different and it's all good. But the nipple is designed to be able to really stretch to the back of the baby's mouth, right? So that it's not near the gum lines, not near the jaws. All right. So that's good. Um, a lot of us have never had that kind of stretch. So some of us will feel that stretch. And for maybe right. 10 to 20 seconds in the early days, you'll feel a kind of sensation. There is no word for it. And I don't like okay. the word stinging because a lot of women say, no, it's not stinging. It's a stretching feel. Yeah. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I hate to set mm -hmm. people up to have one thing sure. in mind. Oh yeah. It hurts like a No, it doesn't. It's a sensation mm -hmm. that generally mm -hmm. does not last more than 20 seconds. And we can do anything mm -hmm. for 20 seconds, especially after mm -hmm. labor. So, mm -hmm. um, and I find that most women, if, if they're going to have that sensation and many do not, many women mm -hmm. never feel that stinging or that feeling. Yeah, they just feel the, the back and forth movement, the back and forth. And that's, that's mm. not pain. That's a sensation of back and forth, which is appropriate. Um, but those mm. who do feel that feel, um, generally within two weeks, if not sooner, they're, they're done with it. It's over with. It's a, it's a conditioning. Mm -hmm. It's like you're the, the nipple that wasn't used to uh, that kind of stretching, which it is designed right. to do again. Nature has designed that nipple to be able to do yeah, that to be able to do because mm -hmm. that makes sense if you're, you know, in the scheme of things, sure. but again, it's right. a, it's a nerve ending thing I think yeah so right. that's that's all there right. is to that really and we get over it right right yeah, so that's not what a about, hard thing yeah uh you know a fussy baby at the breast talk about that to us too because you know I have some of my moms who you oh. know they feel like they're bad or they're doing something wrong or they are not sure what they should be yeah. doing um so you know just share with us a little bit about yeah. that and how do we talk to our moms and help them walk, walk through that <clears throat> Gosh, that's so big. That's so big. I write about big. that. Um, <laughs> I know, because there's so many reasons. I, I don't think we have time for me to go into all the reasons why that might be. Sure. But it could be something sure. as simple as, it could be something as simple as the baby's uh, shoulder is tense, right? So if we were <laughs> doing what we were always taught, and we see in our culture still today, sitting up straight and having the baby in the arms, you know, and bringing the baby to the breast, and they're kind of, mm -hmm. maybe they're tweaked a little bit as far as the neck and the shoulder, right? Okay, mm -hmm. a lot of babies, again, have unaddressed tensions from mm -hmm. the delivery process, okay? Uh, right. And so that would, that could cause major fussiness at the breast. It has nothing to do with mom. Nothing at all. Right. It just means right. that we're not communicating effectively, right? Um, so right. this is why I love I love appropriate body work with um, mm -hmm. moms before mm -hmm. they give birth. Of course, the appropriate body work that you give and that others give. Right. And then mm -hmm. after the baby is born, um, the people who are trained in pediatrics can do mm -hmm. so much wonders. I mean, oh, I love it. I love it so much um, right. because I've seen the befores and afters. Uh, yeah, so, so they, you're almost saying like if professional, yeah, if yeah, you have somebody who has a torticollis or a little baby who you know like has you know can't turn their head as far, I think you know right to the right, maybe to the left, maybe that's why they have a favorite right. breast or a favorite right. Well, and that's I'm glad you said that because that's the other thing they shouldn't have to turn their head to nurse. They should be able to be flat on. Mm -hmm. There's no turning of the head when the baby is actually nursing. Okay. Um, oh, it's a I full like body that. experience. Okay. <laughs> tummy to tummy, chest to chest, blah, 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 all that stuff. I say blah, 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 because 
good Lord, we've gone through so many iterations of how to latch a baby on. But honestly, I love it when the baby can lead and they are full body contact and they don't turn their mm -hmm. head. So that is the mm -hmm. most comfortable for the baby mm -hmm. and often for the mom. By the way, I, I advocate so much for the baby. It's like, yeah, I also want the mom to be totally comfortable. And so whether she's yeah. reclining or sitting straight up or whatever, pillows, 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 you know, and I often find that we see these different purchased nursing pillows or they're gifted to the moms and it's like well they make great armrests <laughs> but they're not really all that effective for the average baby unless you have twins i can see that working but pillows are really mm -hmm. for the mom not always mm -hmm. needed for the baby so again the fussiness could be that or let's say the baby has a cone head they they spent a long time in stage two of delivery right or phase two, mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, and so they've got a cone head. And let's try to get inside that baby's reality. And like, I would have mm -hmm. a headache if it were me. Mm -hmm. I would not right. want anybody messing with that. And so I see so many people who are helping mom or mom herself thinking that we have to have our hands on the backs of the baby's heads in order to push them or shove them onto the breast uh -huh. or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all mm -hmm. been guilty of this in years and decades past. Again, I've seen a few right. things. I'm still alive right. to talk about it. Um, and so, yeah, that's offensive. I mean, I, I from a baby's point of view, I feel like, gosh, that would mm -hmm. yeah, would make me mad. And so I'm going to mm -hmm. push back on that. So there's a fussy right. baby. Take, take right. your hand off the back of the head and keep it no higher than the ear and support the neck no higher than the, mm -hmm. than the ears. And then that mm -hmm. area, because we don't know how much is going on in there, let it, let it be. Right. Let it rest. Mm -hmm. Give some space. Mm -hmm. And so, right. yeah. And so all we need to do is support the baby. The babies need support from the neck to the to the shoulders. And the rest of the body and, and, the, and the top of the head are fine. Leave it alone. They're fine. We just need mm -hmm. to support them where it counts. Back of the neck mm -hmm. down to the past the shoulders. That's about it. And we naturally yeah. do that when we're, hug when we're hugging them or holding them. I, I challenge pretty much any mom who's happy to have this baby. We naturally do support them where they need it you right know? we don't right. need to worry about no. the legs and the feet although a lot of big newborns do not like their feet flailing in space they don't like that mm -hmm. they want to have full body contact that means even the feet can have contact somewhere on mm -hmm. our body and that gives them a complete and total sense of safety and comfort it's kind of cool and this huh? is a this is again why it takes a family and a community, right, to be with our babies, because sometimes our mamas need to sleep and their partners are very important in this whole process, don't you think? Absolutely. We all need the support. I love talking with the dads. I don't know if that's where you're leading me, but I love to tell the dads I that they totally. have such a role in this as well. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So we, I mean, when I was younger, dads were kind of like standing in the corner, you know, going, I don't know what to do. But there are so many things that dads can do. Um, so I tell my clients, the dads, I tell them, be the binky. <laughs> Instead of the pacifiers that are gifted to you at the showers or that you've bought or whatever, because we have to buy all the things we think. It's like, I would love to get past all of that. Save your money. But anyhow, a clean pinky, a clean pinky, nails trimmed, clean pinky, pad side up, makes a really good pacifier. So mom's in the bathroom and baby wakes up hungry and is like a short fuse. Dad can be the binky safely, clean finger. I reiterate these things. And that will, and you just touch the baby's, the roof of the baby's mouth, just like the nipple would. Okay. And that they have no choice but to clamp down and suck with all their might. And it's helping to calm them. Again, babies, mm -hmm. newborns especially, babies cannot regulate themselves. They need help in regulating right. their mm -hmm. sensations, their systems. Mm -hmm. And so it's mm -hmm. okay to help them. They can't figure it out on their own. And so dads can do that. And it's and they, they get a tickle out of it often. They can be the guardian mm -hmm. at the gate. And so I, I explained to the dads how they can, you know, protect the the dyad, the mom baby, they can, they can be the tribal women that we have lost through the culture. And I, I wish that we mm -hmm. could build that back again. Um, but so it's on the dads, dads these days in this generation really aren't getting much slack at all. So be an effective guardian at the gate. Uh, you're the one that gets to answer the phone, answer the door. Um, and if mom doesn't want to see or talk to somebody that's there, then she and the dad should have a signal of thumbs up or thumbs down. I did that backwards, but you know, <laughs> um, yeah. and so that you guys can, that they can communicate who is a good energy and who may not be the energy that mom needs right now, you know, so it doesn't matter if so it's logical it, or not, our hormones. Right? It, 
So in your classes that you're doing prenatally, are you wanting the the husband and the wife to come together to them? I love it when the partners come. I love having the partners come. And many times I've had the teenage moms with their mothers come. And I love that. I love having the support person come because they are going to brunt or bear the brunt of all of the things that happened, good or bad. They're, they're going to have to witness it. They're the support. They, they've committed to be that support person. They need to have some tools. And so I do spend time talking to the partner about what tools that we have seen through the years that I've experienced that, um, really do help to make it a smoother experience and less traumatic for the mom and, and the dad. So yeah, I'm big mm-hmm. on all of that. We have a full page of ideas and mm-hmm. little, little mm-hmm. tips and little fun things for the, for the support person to know, mm-hmm. especially the dads. They need to be empowered. They need so, to know that it's okay absolutely. that they know some things. Right, right. And for them to be participatory during this whole time, I think is so powerful. And it creates such an amazing union between, you know, a husband and a wife and a new and a newborn. Um, There's so much bonding that goes on. And that just really kind of seals it. And I love this idea that the, you know, the dad can be the pinky and, (laughs) and literally do that whole connection part. (laughs) The pinky, the pinky is the binky. We could market this. The pinky this. binky. I love it. I love it, Alicia. Something. Oh no! I just think you that have that fun. whole you have, con- have fun with this. Yeah, that whole connection is such an amazing connection. So tell us a little bit uh, too about like if a mom had a a difficult labor and delivery and maybe there's some trauma that happened and, and, you know, how does that, you know, affect maybe breastfeeding and the baby and like that whole process. And some of our moms want to just kind of give up all of a sudden do you know what I yeah. mean when this sort of stress of that happens? And how, how do we yeah. help them through this time? And how do you become such an integral part? Because I already know that you are, but share with us how that works. It breaks my heart because, again, our modern day culture, medicine is awesome. It saves lives. I'm never going to be accused of saying otherwise, right? Everybody has their place. The unfortunate reality in our obstetrics models in our nation is we have a lot of interventions, a lot. Everything, I mean, I'm not even going to go, and I'm not the midwife. I mean, talk to any midwife and they'll tell you. Uh, But we do know that interventions can disrupt the natural flow of things when it comes to your newborn survival reflexes. It can also interrupt the flow of things in our our hormones and our responses. Um, Again, I had a C-section 35 years ago. That kid was gone from me for six hours. Not as severe as what I hear from other mamas that they still go through, but far from ideal. And it was not a good start for either of us. And we had, I had a lot of catching up to do and poor little guy had to suffer the separation. It was not what he was expecting at birth. Um, I could go on and on. I won't, but the interventions can disrupt all of the things that mother nature had set up for us to go into flow, flow state. And so that's can be broken. We have to work Mm -hmm. to get back into that flow state. And I stand firm that we can. And I lived it and I've seen it with others with good, Mm -hmm. compassionate support and education and understanding. Mm -hmm. And I mean, compassion. I'm big Mm -hmm. on that because we lack Mm -hmm. compassion all around us. And so Mm -hmm. um, I guess that's where women like us, we've been around Mm -hmm. for a while. We've seen a few things. We've gone through a few Mm -hmm. things. I've developed a lot Mm -hmm. more compassion than I had in the beginning of my my career Mm -hmm. Um, because Mm -hmm. I've seen so much trauma that didn't maybe maybe shouldn't have happened. Sometimes there's no getting Mm -hmm. out of it. We got to save lives and then we recover. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So I'm I'm big and, and, on on education is one thing, but you got to have a heart, and that's why my business is called what it is. We have to have some heart and understanding mm-hmm. of the heart is the same as the gut. Our instincts are still there, and mm-hmm. and we can recover them, and we can redo this, 
And we have, and I always say, uh, a newborn under six weeks, we can do a lot. We can mess with that baby a lot <laughs> to get them to a state of normal bonding behavior between mom and baby. We can bring a lot back to normal in that first six weeks of time. It's not an hour. Absolutely. An hour does not make or break right. anything. Yeah, but I used to think it did when I was right. young because um, they led us to right. believe that golden hour was everything. It's good, but it's not everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's, there's a lot mm-hmm. else right. going on that we can um, improve upon to make this a good thing for mom and baby. And then we travel on from there and we are, we are good. <laughs> and we, we don't want moms to just give up because everything didn't go as planned, maybe from the start or from the beginning. And that's where I think your work as a lactation consultant is so important uh, to, uh, to families and to our babies, right? Because we're trying to say, hey, we know this difficult thing happened. This was a traumatic thing. But like this part of the bonding process, so I really believe that breastfeeding is such an integral part of the bonding process, right? That skin to skin, that touch, that connection, the smells, all of the things, right? So even though there was trauma, like that is part of why your business exists as well. Because even if somebody maybe didn't have a, you know, a good breastfeeding lead in or connection prior to, correct? Like we're, we're saying, hey, lactation work, consulting work afterwards, it's just as valuable, just as important, right, as before, because we see things that maybe don't go according to plan, or maybe a baby, you know, that natural reflex of action didn't happen. And, and, you know, maybe we have a baby chomping at a breast or something of that nature. And, and knowing that people need to be reaching out to someone like you and calling and saying, hey, we need help, like, we we still want to do this, but we feel like we're we're lost in the middle of it. Well, and that's the thing. I thought twenty, or I thought maybe ten, twelve, fifteen years ago that uh, my particular position in society would no longer be needed. I was really a Pollyanna, <laughs> thinking, "Oh, if everything's <laughs> going to be great, we're making an impact. Everybody will know what to do and how to support." No, it's not any better than it was when I was a yeah. young mom. And then I'm thinking as you say that, I mean, I'm describing what is normal. This whole talk, I'm describing what should be, Absolutely. what nature intended, what is normal right. and typical for a human mammal. Right. But yes, let's be right. real. Stuff happens and um, some right. uh, genetic issues right. happen. Prematurity Absolutely. happens. These are different different right. issues entirely. And yes, you do want someone who's... Uh, got the IBCLC behind their name and or a ton of experience. Um, And Mm -hmm. compassion is always, in my book, I think compassion is missing in many settings. And so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm big on spreading that as Mm -hmm. much as I can. We need to support each Mm -hmm. other, not blame each other, um, and know each other's roles, stay in our lanes Mm -hmm. as much as we are able to, Mm -hmm. um, as Mm -hmm. long as we all have the uh, ability to access Mm -hmm. each uh, professional that plays a role in right. our in our growth in this whole journey that we are launched on. I mean, I think back to it. I mean, why do we expect perfection in our culture? It's ridiculous. Pe- people and babies throughout time have died. I mean, crap mm-hmm. has happened. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we aim for the best. And sometimes I, I kind of want to say good enough is good enough. It depends on Mm -hmm. your mindset. It depends on the situation. My attitude is it's the baby's birthright. Mm -hmm. This is again, me advocating it's babies are born with the, I call it a birthright. A lot of us do that. They need to be held. They need to be, uh, uh, mm-hmm. regulated, their systems regulated, they need to be fed at the breast mm-hmm. because of all the development, all of the impact for growth in the mouth and the and the and all of the things are impacted by them being at the breast. And that's not even talk about brain right. growth. That's huge. That's too much. Right. <laughs> I talk about that. In right. class, so. But right. it's like, that's their birthright. And so when we disrupt that, we're really messing with a human being who mm-hmm. may carry that with them throughout their life as an unresolved whatever. We're learning much mm-hmm. more about what our bodies mm-hmm. as humans from the time that we're born, what we integrate into our system, our muscles, our, our fascia, mm-hmm. what we integrate, what we carry with us throughout life, good or bad, right? And so I just wish that we right. could see more normal beginnings in life according to how we were made as mammals. I know I'm just waxing poetic, but I know it can be done if we just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, 
took better care of ourselves prenatally, had better, you know, that leads to better outcomes. And that's, again, where you come in with all of those things as well. I just, I feel sometimes I'm, I'm around to just kind of clean up a little bit of a mess and try to um, educate and recover some lost ground to launch mom and baby and to help them. I'm not doing anything. I'm just consulting. I'm helping them to find their journey and to feel good about their right. path. As long as they have the information and they make their decisions, there should be no regrets. And I really feel strong about that. Right. If I had known, I would have had less regrets right. about the decisions I made earlier. Yeah. Right. And I, I think there's always going to be circumstances where something might happen that maybe someone can't breastfeed. And we're not trying to judge about that, but we're trying to offer opportunity yes. through education, through yes. visualization, through being in a community of people that if it is something you yeah. choose and you desire for you and your baby, that you have the opportunity to have somebody like Alicia be in your life to help you actually accomplish and do that. And I think that's the exciting thing to me. And yes, there will always be exceptions to the rule. There will always be difficult things that happen that, you know, go on. And, you know, it brings me just to our last probably little topic about some of the things that we see a lot more of now, which is some of this tongue tie business. And I don't want to deep dive in it. I just want to overview it just really quickly, because I love just some of the little things, you know, you talked about, about some of this tissue that sometimes just tied a little tighter and maybe some of this soft tissue work and some of these other things um, to be done maybe prior to maybe doing some of the other more invasive uh, procedures might help uh, might help our babies too. That and I thank you and I yeah I can't do a deep dive in our time but uh, no. <laughs> anyone who no. is having is, I know right it is a lot and there's a lot <laughs> a of lot. discussion and there's a lot of disagreement Absolutely. so I have to say that in front. but I feel good about yeah that's I am okay certified tethered oral tissues, blah, 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 whatever. I've done the, I've done the deep dive. Many of us have, uh, we've taken the time and the money and the effort to learn everything we can about the tethered oral tissues based on today's research. Okay. The current research, um, and it's profound. And so, yeah, if I, I ask leading questions, we all know to ask the right questions from a mom who's saying, I have problems nursing. We ask the kinds of questions that lead us to is there a tethered oral tissue or is it something else? You know, could it be just positioning? Right. So if we determine that there is maybe an issue with the function of the mouth, because I'm all about function. It doesn't have to look mm-hmm. pretty if it's functioning mm-hmm. perfectly. <laughs> so, um, and there's a long list of what is function. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so, um, right. so I look at, you know, we look at those things and um, I believe body work, has its place more than we've ever known in the past in that uh, whether they, I may know instinctively that it's going to lead to a release from a a provider who knows how to release a tie under the tongue, let's say, but I've seen and experienced, and I think a lot of us have seen this, that if we can get some qualified pediatric body work like Cairo or CST, there's a number of things. um, And, you know, you know, you get this stuff. So if they can um, have a couple of sessions of that immediately after Mm -hmm. we determine that there's an, or really after birth, frankly, uh, then when the baby does have the release done, then that they're more prepared. I guess what I'm trying to say, edit me to, you know, as much as you need to. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They're more prepared for the release itself and the recovery after that fact. And then anybody who does release a tie should have the mm-hmm. um should have the follow-up care uh explained mm-hmm. to the parents and and i mm-hmm. offer that as a team member i offer the follow-up mm-hmm. care plan and i work with them uh to maintain mm-hmm. that that uh, release doesn't reattach and so there's right. it's maybe a two-week thing for the average baby mm-hmm. average parents mm-hmm. it's maybe a two-week mm-hmm. thing of clearing this adhesion or this tie this tethering that's been interfering mm-hmm. with a good latch and effective feeding, mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. my I, God, the, the lifelong effects are outrageous. It's just mm-hmm. outrageous what goes on, and you teach to this too, I know, what goes on in mm-hmm. the oral cavity can affect mm-hmm. what's going on in the gut, Every, and what's going on the in the neck and the mm-hmm. back and down to the feet. I mean, it's mm-hmm. everywhere. It's mm-hmm. fascia. Yeah. I find Do it the, fascinating, all the, but, uh, yeah. it? 
Yeah, to the pelvic floor. <laughs> yeah, the oral cavity they're, and the yeah. pelvic floor connected. In utero, they're the yeah, same they tissue, are. right? And they grow to make the whole oral cavity to the anorectal uh, sphincter region. So it's kind of a, a crazy it idea. It's, I know, it's amazing. And I think I love that you speak to the whole uh, body work, you know, uh, all the um, prenatal PT and then postpartum PT, we address babies as well, postpartum wise, because we're looking at babies and saying, hey, like if they have tension in their upper neck and jaw, a lot of times then they have issues with their pelvic floor where they're not pooping well either. So this whole bowel is, you know, GI movement and GI function is off. And so this yeah. connection is powerful. Yeah. And so if the jaws dysfunctional, which uh, many times happens, you know, with these tongue ties and this uh, sort of thing, then the pelvic floor is yeah. dysfunctional as well. So that is a really intimate connection. And that's yeah. why I love how you said, hey, it might not be pretty, but we're trying to make it functional. And that's what we're doing right alongside you. Do you know what I mean? Working together. And that's why I love, yeah. you know, the relationship that we have, Alicia, because I think it's a beautiful tool to be like, hey, we have to be looking at these soft tissue things, looking at, hey, is that a functional activity, even if it's not perfect? We we want this to be successful because we know long-term, if we don't, you know, we're, we're going to have these problems going throughout, you know, a kiddo's life. So I think the earlier we look at it, but yeah. I love how you sort of said like, hey, let's give this thing time to get them sort of adjusted in the world to their mama's breast and get their natural innate reflexes actually going going again yeah, yeah some practice time yeah. so that they have the time and then yeah. we so we're not jumping so quickly but we're giving time first of this soft tissue release and soft tissue work and then we say okay if we're not seeing what we need then we're like okay maybe there's this other medical intervention you know that we might need so and and i love that and two weeks afterwards we're and... really watching and yeah, I, and this two weeks oh, actively, where you're talking about you know, this whole plan, yeah, after yeah, because you really want to make sure that yeah. they have this time frame to yeah, even after they might have a tongue tied release, you know, that you're really practicing well, and making sure and two, that they become functional. Yeah, and we don't want it to sound like a chore. I find that um, no, I mean, right. I was overwhelmed <laughs> right. when I read the first time I came up with the the, the first time I came upon the research. I was like, holy crap, there's a lot. And it's like, no, it doesn't have to be like yeah. that. It can be fun. We, we've we no. learned, babies yeah. are so wonderful when you just play games with them, just visual games or just be mm -hmm. silly, sing a song mm -hmm. while, you're, while your clean mm -hmm. finger is helping them to stretch or eh, open wide or, right. you know, doing right. whatever to keep that thing from reattaching. It's minutes a day. It can be fun mm -hmm. and it has mm -hmm. lifelong effects with eating mm -hmm. and breathing and moving their head back mm -hmm. and forth and their posture, their, right. their gut. Again, we reiterate mm -hmm. what you already have said, but it is right. so powerfully mm -hmm. important. I'm amazed that we didn't know for so long. We had mm -hmm. no idea, no idea mm -hmm. the importance of this. Yeah. So, and we it's see so, too much of it, which yeah. is disturbing, but it, there's still some there's still some out there that don't have any ties at all. And, you know, that's. Yeah. yeah. So we're either better right. at seeing it right. or we don't know. Nobody really knows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. But it, but I love yeah. it that, you know, we're acknowledging that this is happening for some of our babies and that we need to attend to it, too. So it's an important part. Yeah. And yeah. we want to make sure together. that long term. And us working together. Yeah. Yeah. That's the good part. That's the great part. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Alicia, I was just wanting to mention just one more time. I love the way you talk about moms and babies mm -hmm. and families bonding. And I think you and I talked about this before about the, uh, Dutch researcher that just talked all about how, you know, the brain of a mama after she has a baby, all the white matter grows so that now she grows all this, uh, connectivity for at least two years. And the MRI studies that they did out of the Netherlands, they just saw, you know, what was happening and changing in a mom's brain and then how that just so bonded her to her baby so i believe that whole body you know skin to skin um, breastfeeding all these deep connections they're so powerful it's kind of why a mama yeah. loses her keys and 
you know, can't remember to take this stuff out of her laundry, you know, her dryer and leaves it there for three days. Right. But it's because she's supposed to be hyper-focused on this baby. And they really find in research that the father as well goes through this whole uh, changing and grooming process in his brain, uh, just like the mom does in a little bit different fashion, but why that we can grow this white matter. So we, we have so much connection and that, that just power powerfully grows our whole species right and and that bond is so deep and it's um what creates such good family systems yeah exactly we are a higher level mammal i mean it the brain growth is outrageous from the time we're born the brain supposedly doubles in size by your first birthday rapid brain growth the synapses the connections that white brain matter that you mentioned the white matter this facilitated for the for this the skin to skin all of the the touch mm-hmm. is ridiculous mm-hmm. how important it is and throughout mm-hmm. your life when you yeah. when, when you think about it the average normal right. what is normal but you know the typical human being <laughs> thrives with loving touch <laughs> we crave 100%. loving touch hugs now they mm-hmm. now they know studies show that hugging uh, does things in our system a, a good hug helps to elevate people's you know endorphins mm-hmm. or whatever it's like well yeah mm-hmm. that's why we like hugs yes. a good loving hug uh, so it's as simple as that or it's as complex right. as growing mm-hmm. a human being at your body there has mm-hmm. to be that kind of white matter mm-hmm. um change it has to be it's mm-hmm. all wrapped up mm-hmm. as one mm-hmm. for survival. And that's uh, that's what creates the yeah. mama bear. And I, I like to call my clients mama yeah. bears in all the good loving ways <laughs> because it. nobody ain't gonna nobody yeah. gonna be messing with my baby, especially when given the opportunity to do <laughs> things in the normal fashion, right? They ain't nobody gonna be messing yeah. with this kid. I will kill. <laughs> um I have stories about cougars in the backyard. It's like I'm gonna take that cougar down because we lived in the woods and it was like I'm gonna kill that cougar if it comes near my kid. It was all in my I mean, there's no logic behind that yeah. at all. <laughs> But I was going to kill it. (laughs) It's just a joke. But I mean, yeah, you can edit that out. No. I would have been gone. No. But I I knew that I would take it out. (laughs) No, and that's how I, you know, that's how I think. Yeah, that bonding, it's so deep, isn't it? It's a great thing. So, Uh, Alicia, thank you so much for talking. Unbelievable. Yeah. Thank you again so much for talking with me today. You know, I could do this all day long. I know we could. I love uh, that you have so much passion for moms and babies. I love that you um, want to make um, family systems understand the importance of all of this um, bonding together. And I uh, appreciate all of your time. And I love working with you in that whole pelvic health world. So we'll just keep doing it. Well, ditto. I love working with you, and I appreciate you so much, Sherry. Everybody, you are an icon. Oh. I'm so tickled to be oh. your friend and to have this opportunity. You're awesome. Thank you. Oh, so I thank appreciate you. It. All right. Okay. Bye, okay. Alicia. Bye. 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 <laughs>